What's up? You like movies? Yes, I do. I like movies, too. This is the Zebras in America podcast, episode... Seven. 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 Um, <laughs> I'm in a good mood. You know why? Why is that? Because I just took some allergy relief. Oh, yeah, my cat. Yeah. And I get high on cats, but I get much higher on allergy relief. Yeah. Zertek, you my only friend. It's fine. He's he's scared. He's hiding under the bed right now. He's not used to a lot of people. He's scared of me sometimes. So I'm scared of me sometimes too. But that's <laughs> that's for a different podcast. That's a podcast that I have by myself with a the therapist. Wow. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> We're live, pal. Um, so we we <laughs> shout out to Jim Ross. <laughs> hey, we're live, pal. Uh, he's a magnificent man. I respect the shit. He made his uh, made his comeback at WrestleMania. They I had him announce Undertaker's last match. I, I, yeah, I would have cried. Yeah. I bet people did. Oh, absolutely. The Ooh. combination of that, not headed. It was less than a week since was, his wife Jim passed. Ross passed what he comes back passed. to announce Undertaker's last match. Yeah, there's a lot of emotion. Who's like there. you know one of the greatest performers and maybe the greatest faces and heels of wrestling absolutely at least like yeah he's he's part of so many eras just magnificent performer uh yeah so a pretty cool thing happened the other day what's that we hung out in real life yeah i mean we hang out in podcast life yeah and we've hung out a couple times making music but we we had like a friend date (laughs) yeah and it's funny too because doing this podcast with a friend makes it awkward because um like my friend James, who hosts the Wrong Real podcast, which I'm on all the time, we you know have hung, we've seen movies together, and then like we've hung out. But then when move, the subject of movies come up, because I'm on his podcast so much, a lot of times we'll catch each other and be like, save it for the podcast, and it just makes like one less thing to talk about, which kind of happened with us. Like we were talking about it, and there's plenty to talk about. We'll probably repeat ourselves, but I found we found ourselves kind of like, oh wait, maybe we should save this conversation for the podcast and it just makes it awkward like oh let's talk about something else but the thing is like we're both into sandwiches we're both into uh we like girls we like we like rap music quite a bit we can talk about it we've had very so we have a lot in common it's not it wasn't like awkward no no but i think what makes me me hang out with you again i'm so it's just too awkward I'm joking. <laughs> no, the thing though with a movie like that, with a with a recent Terrence Malick movie, well, to not even, talk we about even it. Tell them that, we, that uh, what we were about to talk about. Oh, I'm jumping ahead. Oh, oh. So what bad. we did? So we hung out. We went on a friend date uh, to go see the new Terrence Malick movie, Badlands. <laughs> no, no, that's not what we went to see. We went to see Song to Song at the Landmark Theaters. Yep. I, I, I bought a Kanish from Yona Schimmel's. Yeah. That's a theater I used to go to all the time, and I just kind of stopped. Like, the older I got, I just got more specific. In my 20s, I used to make the rounds. Like, I'd plan, like, a Saturday or a Sunday or sometimes both and just make that kind of route of just, like, IFC, Film Form, Angelica, Sunshine, uh, the kind of, like, Houston Street route, essentially. The movies. Yeah. But now like, I like just kind of... Movies that people say, movie. More movie. like film. film. No, no, no. Yeah, they say film. Yeah, but I, I may that, have, I maybe have said this before, but just how I like, I always correct people that I make rap music, like, you know, the whole like the difference between movie and film, like. Ameri- no, you mentioned. Yeah, you mentioned oh, this before. Okay. Yeah. No, Ameri- no, say it Ameri- again though. American Ninja is a motherfucking film. Ninja Three is a motherfucking film. <laughs> and you know. Uh, yeah. The Bicycle Thief is a movie, too. 
Sure. Wee wee wee. Bicycle thief. And it's also Thieves. Yeah. Pretty good movie. It's the movie that Vincent D'Onofrio's character was watching in a, in the player before he died, um, which is a great scene. Yeah. He's the kind of guy, his character in that movie is the kind of guy that says film. Yeah, I mean Vincent D'Onofrio probably says film. Yeah, I'm a fan of Vincent D'Onofrio, although. Yeah. Oh, I was There's thinking. Things, I was yeah, thinking Vincent Gallo, actually. Oh no. I was like Vincent Gallo definitely says says, says film. If uh, I do, you think? I don't know. No, he says movie. He's the kind of guy I think just says movie. If I had to, like, who would you rather have a knish with? Yo, that's tough. I, I, I really don't know. I don't know. I, Depending on... It, it, going, it could be neither. I'm going Prince Depending, As far as, like, what you, would be a little you, more exciting or fun, I'd pick Vincent Gallo. But, but then, do you, like... Do you remember... Do you know what my... What, what that reference was? What? No. Prince Vince. Oh, oh, oh. The, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, graffiti Rock. Graffiti Rock, yeah. When <laughs> he was uh, in his, his early days as a hip-hopper. It was on the Run DMC episode, actually. There was only one real episode. Mm-hmm. I just... I ordered the Kickstarter, and I only finally got my DVD for the reissue of that, like, last week. And there was supposed to be a documentary. It's too bad. I think, you know, sometimes with the Kickstarter stuff, people just get a little too grandiose. And for those of you confused, Graffiti Rock, it was a show. It was a public access show that was co-started by Debbie Mazar, actually. Debbie Mazar and Michael Mazar. Holman. Michael Holman, who's a really good dude. I met him at uh, MoMA PS1. He's a really nice guy. But it was a kind of... it. it um, it predated Yo MTV. It was like um, the Soul Train, but it was Soul Train, but for rap music in, in the mid, very mid '80s. And Run DMC did a great uh, performance of. Um, and it was it was. What song did they do? I don't remember. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. It was we, it was parodied twice that I can remember. The arsonist, the, the nonfiction arsonist video. Nonfiction video. Yes. That's, uh, that's why we do this podcast for, together. For, because 14 years of rap only got me underground. That. Yeah, that's a great song. That's a you know. Uh, cops grabbing wearing FUBU DT, DT's in the night precinct and also CeeLo and um, Danger Mouse did did, work. did they? Yeah. oh I didn't know that with, with Justin Timberlake as one of the people wow okay question this is gonna throw pe- people off in terms of the battle setup I don't I'm only thinking about the arsonist nonfiction who do you think won in ter- like arsonists or nonfiction well I think nonfiction Oh, see, I think the I think the arsonist one clearly. Well, I just mean in longevity. Verse wise, like it's uh, well, you know what, longevity, sure by default, but in terms of like, I like. I think I arsonist like, even has better albums, even though you know, honestly, uh, not 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 by a landslide because I like nonfiction a lot too. I think too. the future is now is a great post '90s album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we saw a music movie. I think. It yeah, was we a did. Music movie. We or did. Maybe it was a romance movie. It was both. Yeah, song to song. Mm-hmm. Terrence Malick's new film, which, you know, had been out for a couple of weeks, and for those of you who know even, even a little longer, bit, it'll yeah. be even longer because, as one of our fans figured out, we are a time travel website, and we are we lag a little. Shout out to uh, Jacob Rivera. He's one of my. Uh, I was gonna shout him out my, a little later. Mike, my, my well, we'll, get, we'll shout him out twice in this episode. We'll shout one, him one out my, three times. One of my podcast buddies. We've done a couple of podcasts together. He's he, he's a good dude. Um. But yeah, no, the new Terrence Malick. I was saying, I you know, you'd think I would be there like opening night. Me specifically, if you know anything about me, I'm a big post uh, Days of Heaven Terrence Malick fan. Even more so post New World Terrence Malick fan. But I waited a couple of weeks to see this. It's 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 weird, and it was definitely worth the wait. 
I, I think so. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. When I texted him to make Ant a friend of the show, uh, he was like, oh, you guys are going to have a, a just a love fest. You went to see a Malick movie. Yeah. And I was like... A recent Malick movie. I was movie. like, you know, probably... Yeah. But we have different opinions about it, mm-hmm. even though we both both liked it. Did you like yeah. it? Yes, I did. I was just saying, yeah. It's yeah. definitely just like it from Tree of Life to The Wonder, uh, Night of Cups, uh, even Voyage of Time, which is the movie that's already being forgotten about. All his recent stuff I love, but there's also problems. But I, I think that should be expected at, at this point. His new style, how he's doing, how he's been doing things, you know, since Tree of Life. So for the last six years. There's going to be imperfections and unfinished things and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So you shouldn't expect flawlessness. So. Or you shouldn't expect flaw, a flawless movie. Right? I actually thought it was a flawless movie. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, that's I, fine. I sat with it. I, As you remember, I enjoyed it when we saw it. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh, man, this is. I, I, I do think it's his best of this, I'm calling the tetralogy of his past four movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's also because, like, I just understand the sort of emotional longing that was really present in this one mm-hmm. as a musician, as, like, you know, there's a, there's a sick father there. I've had a sick father. There mm-hmm. was just a lot of connections. And at its, at its worst, it's a really good music movie because the little music stuff that comes in is just so good and mm-hmm. deals with it really wonderfully. And then there's that we talked about the critics have lazily called the movie a love triangle. Yeah, it's more like a love web or but love tree branch. There if are anything. there are two people in love, but there are three people in the situation. Yes. There, uh, yes. Michael yeah. Fassbender plays the villain of the movie, if you want to call him that. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty he's pretty dislikable, and by the time the film's <laughs> over, if you like him, then you know, you should take the, you know, the sociopath test and, and see where you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael Fassbender plays kind of a, it's it's like he's a record executive slash record producer yeah. in terms of like the dialogue, and we'll get to the dialogue later. Michael Fassbender is a record exec, record producer who wants to work with uh, Ryan Gosling, who's a musician. Yeah. They He wants to work with Ryan Gosling, but they both have feelings at different levels for different reasons for the same woman, Rooney Mara, who is also uh, an up-and-coming musician. Um, But there's, on one end, between Gosling and Rooney Mara, it's real love, and between, as as you kind of put it, between Fassbender and Rooney Mara, it's not exactly love. No, they're they're dealing with their... She's figuring out her sexual demons with him, and he's a user, and he's using her because he hasn't figured out... He's almost like part of his character in shame. He hasn't figured out a way to deal with his sexuality in a positive way. Yeah, shame. Oh, there's some there's some there's similarities just, you know, to shame yeah. in this. Absolutely. Um, and he's and that so there's that and there and so that whole connection is is really interesting. And then they all verge out with different relationships, and then there are other things that happen and. Yeah, it just, I don't know, the movie just kicked the shit out of me. Yeah. One thing I really liked about it was uh, Patti Smith. Mm. She was so fucking good. She played like the spirit animal. The spirit for, elder. The she spirit was like the elder, for, like drop dropping, uh, you know, gems on, uh, on on the younger people of, of the movie. Yeah. If yeah. You, it, was, it was a mythological tale. And the reason why I like 
these sort of Malick movies. Though reading that he says he's going to go back to the other style, I'm excited because, you know, everyone should try new things and then try other things. But the reason why I like this is because these are more like fairy tales, like the way you can retell these stories to your friends. They take different worlds and they dance, and that's what I like. And uh, uh, Patti Smith, she wrote an obituary for Lou Reed, mm. I think, in The New Yorker, which I think is the fifth time I've name-dropped The New Yorker. Ugh, I read The New Yorker. <laughs> uh, I gotta go read New York Post, wash my mouth. That was soap. I'm an asshole. Um, <laughs> Uh, though, you know, she said that, you know, she said Lou Reed had a poet's heart and it just killed me. Mm. Um, and me and my fiance started our love around the time that Lou Reed passed away. So that book oh, affected wow. us. Okay. Cause you know, he's a Brooklyn dude. We're Brooklyn He's very much a Brooklyn. Speaking of Lou Reed, Lou Reed being a Brooklyn guy, have you ever seen, um, the sequel to Smoke, Blue in the Face? It's not quite a sequel. I'll call it an interquel. Okay, I like a loose sequel, which was apparently it's all improvised too. Yeah, apparently, like barely directed by Paul Auster. Yeah, and I, but I, what we're, I like Blue in the Face more. I like them equally for different reasons. Yeah, I don't like one more or less. And and for those who are you know, Lou Reed has a cameo, not a cameo actually. He has a few scenes. He's one of the yeah. co-stars actually. He has a scene where, similar to Patti Smith in uh, Song to Song, he's playing everyone. Not everyone. A lot of people in Blue in the Face play themselves, but they're acting like it's not a documentary. But like some people are acting, whereas like Lou Reed plays himself, but it's still like a fictional story. Jim Jarmusch in Blue in the Face plays himself. But he's acting, you know, and just like how Patti Smith, she Patti Smith in Song to Song is herself, but it's not a documentary, even though Song to Song has a documentary vibe and it was shot during a, a very real music festival. You and know, I think she's that's, still acting. I think that's why the glimpses are so good of the characters is because somehow, you know, when you're Terrence Malick, you can have access to South by Southwest yeah. and have these really great interiors of artists and a just divine scene. <laughs> oh, Val Kilmer. And you left. So, obviously, you guys listening, you weren't there. Scott laughed the same exact way. Um, there's a scene. Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer has a scene, or just like a montage of quick scenes, just dab, smack dab in the middle of the movie. He, first of all, I have to say, too, he looks less bloated. Like, Val Kilmer's looking better, but he has, like, long hair, his face is still... It's, it's one of those things like Val Kilmer now looks like a guy who looks like Val Kilmer. Yeah. I, just describe, I think that's the best way to describe how he looks. But he kind of does this weird performance, music performance art thing with a chainsaw. Um, and I think his di- line of dialogue was, um, I got some uranium, I bought it off my mom. And then he pulls out a chainsaw. Oh, he throws it into the audience and then security... Um, Drags him off. And, uh, yeah, Marcus can attest. I laughed like Muttley. Very much. For, for oh, man. Five yeah. minutes. It was pretty great. It uh, made it made that scene even better. Because I just, I, yeah, I just love the absurd. Um, if you have followed my existence, because if, if you're here because of Marcus, you've just been introduced to me. And you see, I like absurd shit. <laughs> and I love that. Um, one thing I really liked was that the the Casio CK1 played Oh, a, the sampling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played yeah. a minor role. It did. It was one of the first sample uh it's the cheapest samplers ever because um 
You can only sample for like two seconds, mm-hmm. if even. I think it's like 1.2. Mm. But people have been using it, and Ryan Gosling, his character, has trouble uh, saying his emotions in the movie. So he uses the SK-1 in two different scenes to convey his emotions. And I didn't even catch that. I mean, I caught it, but I didn't catch his use of it. I didn't even... Uh... Yeah. You know, that's the thing, too, I have to say. Just like... Call me Mike Piazza, I'd be catching shit. I am so... I think, that, I think that's a baseball reference. Yes. Mets. Nice. Shout out to the Mets. I'm Mets so... Mets all day, even though I don't know about sports. Yeah. I'm so into Malik's, Malik's films, though, that I get caught up in just the overall vibe, the big picture, and I miss a lot of the small things. Like, oh. I wasn't even thinking about that until you the just... The small things you know. were just... The small things were what... Did it for me, yep. you know, like like Michael Fassbender, his monkey-like physical characteristics in the film. Yeah, he's a brilliant, brilliant physical actor. There's uh, a scene where they all go to Mexico, and it would be like problematic if it wasn't amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was just so good. And um, I wanna, I wanna shout out who my plan was to shout out Jacob Rivera now. Oh, okay. My bad. Shout out to Twitter follower and Zebra fan Jacob Rivera. Because I, I don't know him, but I like him. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's already being shouted out twice, like I said. It's, yeah. It, it's all good. And now I'm going to say, I'm going to say Jacob Rivera. That's three times, man. Yeah. I want to talk to you about boxing sometime. I love that sport. Yeah. Um. So it's fun when a thing you like is used in art and like... um. This can this keyboard, the SK1, is is particularly popular because it's like very easy to circuit bend, which mm, is when you mm-hmm. open up open up something and solder around and add different parts. So it's really popular for glitch music or minimal music, and it was used to score me and you and everyone we know. Yeah, yeah. So that was how I was going to bring it around because yeah. because Jake Rivera has the assy art. Oh yeah, the back and forth. Yeah, for Jacob Twitter. Has the so back and I forth. just I look yeah. at that and giggle every once in a while. And so I like it when it's used art. We we talk about it off off screen. Like I really like, you know how how in upstream color they use the uh, the Kai MPK, even though like not in a way that actually works. I explain that to people anytime that conversation comes up because you know upstream fans of upstream color. That particular – that whole montage between him playing, him supposedly sampling the pigs or whatever going into that scene with the woman who kills herself, that whole segment of Upstream Color, it's my second favorite sequence in that movie. And I always tell people, it's like, you know, that's a MIDI keyboard and then anyone who doesn't know music looks at me like, okay. And I'm like, basically, that has to be plugged into a keyboard with sounds and plugins for it to work. It's not like a cast – it's not an analog keyboard, it's not, no. essentially. It's, and it's attached to a Tascam 4-track, which might – like, but it doesn't matter. It looks really good. I'm just saying that there's a scene in um, the uh, in the social network where they're at a party. Fuck that movie. And well, you're about to hate it even more because the timeline says you know it's 2004. What? And they're at a D and there and it shows the DJ screen and he's using Serato and Serato hadn't even been invented yet or came out yet by 2004. Yeah. Final that's scratch. Not, that's not. Final Scratch, which was even new, at, at, you know, by 2004 Serato came out. In you know, 2004. No, it was just Final Scratch. I'm telling you, trust okay. me, trust me. It, it was shortly that. after, but it was it was. Final so there Scratch. was a thing with MIDI vinyl, but yeah. it wasn't Serato. Yeah. Yeah. And it's well, just some little nerdy thing because I, I saw his screen and it was the Serato interface, not the Final Scratch interface. So same thing with like an upstream color. So. 
Yeah, but it also it's fine because like even if you're like they could have used like that MPC five hundred you have, mm-hmm. not as not as cool looking. It doesn't work. Yeah. But I like it when you can make it work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was a little thing I really I really like I really liked it. And it, it, it's funny you brought up glitch music too with the Casio because before uh, Prefuse seventy three, who's like the king of glitch hop or whatever kind of sub genre, in my opinion, he's one of my favorite producers. Before he got his first MPC, he was doing experiments on that Casio uh, SK1 and, and sampling. And then he was he worked at a studio as a, kind of like an engineer apprentice for just like a bunch of Dirty South rappers in the late 90s, early, early 2000s. And the guy who ran this little dingy studio gave him an MPC after when he saw his, like, his hustle and work ethic. And that's how Prefuse or Gil Scott Heron uh, was was born. That's his real name. His real name, not to be Gil Scott Heron. Confused with Gil Scott Heron. Yeah. Whose voice just sounded like. R.I.P. to him too. He's river, another uh, river of pain. Yeah. Uh, that song Vulture just does it. I'm uh, I'm I'm big on New York is killing me. Yeah. Because it kind of is. And I know, literally, that's a common thread. And it's also just a really great song. Last week when we were driving, I was telling you how much I love New York, and you were like, it's kind of uh, killing me. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite when it comes to that. Yeah, but the thing is, like, New York is killing me, but, like, like you know, with, like, if it's killing me, it's killing me with, like, tickles and heroin. Wow. So it's like, it's, it's like an all right death. I've tried to leave. <laughs> I've lived here for so long. You know, my great-grandparents... My great grandparents came here to pluck chickens. Wow! Because that was so a thing. History. That was a thing in Brooklyn, where we are right now, mm-hmm. which is uh, Sunset, Sunset Park, Park yeah. also known as Gunset Park, to like five people. Um, <laughs> you came here. There were a lot of uh, farms where you not farms, plants. Where you, there's only one farm in New York City still, and that's in Queens. Um, shout out to Queens. Shout out to Queens, where I was born. Where you were born. Um, where where my grandparents used to live in Left Rack City. Mm-hmm. A great place. And they pluck chickens, and that's that. Do you have um, anything you have to say about uh, about song to song? I do. I have. Well, yeah. We, this this could be a five hour podcast, but what we're thing, not going to do a five hour podcast about song to song, Marcus. No, no, it, it's fine. I it's I have a twenty four hour episode just ongoing in my head all day since I've seen it. What what also is a little disorienting too is how certain like bigger actors didn't get any kind of billing they just showed up and that's not a criticism no it's just like exactly like outside of Val Kilmer like Kate Blanchett doesn't just show up she has like an important part of the movie she's one of the outside love interests of Ryan Gosling midway in into the movie and you know she's kind of become Kate Blanchett has become uh, a new Terrence Malick stock actor because she narrated his document well quote documentary voyage of time and she's also uh, Christian Bale's uh, wife our ex-wife, however that is, in a Knight of Cups. So yeah. it's kind of cool that she's becoming one of his, uh, you know, his his regular. And let's be honest, she's a delight. Oh, absolutely, she's, she's great. A delight. Sure. Natalie she's Portman excellent. was 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 a delight in this movie too. She was. It almost didn't even look like her. She like, was physically she was transformed. Yeah. Physically, yeah. She looked like the lady in that Wyeth painting. Which. Uh, the oh, on, on the house, like yeah, on the grass. Yeah, yeah. she kind of did. I didn't think about that. She was, uh, that was a, that performance was, I don't want to go, it was really difficult for me. Yeah. It hit very close to home. And, and well, speaking of heartbreaking too, you know, a lot of criticism, even I, I kind of have a criticism of this in, in recently, especially since from to the wonder, 
Yeah. Although there were there were traces of this in Thin Red Line. A lot of actors got cut from Thin Red Line from Mickey Rourke to Gary Oldman. But since To the Wonder, like people he's been really cutting people out. Like for example, Christian Bale got cut out of Song to Song. And then, you know, like um uh, Martin Sheen and Amanda Peet got cut from To the Wonder. Um, That's wild. And he kind of, so basically he kind of uses. Amanda I, I like to say got cut off yeah. from life. Yeah, she has a new show out. That's good. Hank's area. She's she's charming. I just feel like he uses actors as disposable pieces now rather than like you know act. So it, it is difficult in recent Malick films to find a memorable performance. Like, people don't really get a chance to, the, like, to do their acting chops too much. I would say the movie where Amanda Peet was with Jason Biggs, and then she gets kidnapped. The and, movie? You mean Saving Diamond. Silverman? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that movie has a name. Yeah. It's Saving Silverman. That movie's it great. A, it had a movie. It had a name. It's Saving Silverman. Thank you. That movie bonded me and one of my best friends, uh, who I, I knew for a while. And it was one of those things where it just came up. And then I was like so upset that, wait, how long have I known you for? And I'm just finding out that you like Saving Silverman just as much or more than me. Why, why didn't anyone tell me how good this cheese was? Yeah, exactly. I had that in my head all the no. time. Arsenio Hall. Yeah. Um, but what I was getting at, so though, to, to be loved. So then you need to see but, That's My Boy. You need to see That's My Boy. I've been telling uh, you. Maybe that'll be my homework, actually. You've been failing your homework lately. Yeah, no, but, th- yeah, but. um. Sorry, I just. I like that weird-ass movie, Saving yeah. Silverman. It goes so many ways. It's great. But long-winded, though, what I'm getting to, there's, there's like, certain scenes in Song to Song where people just, you know, show off their acting chops. Like, going back to, there was a scene you mentioned with the father, you know, in the film, Ryan Gosling's father is sick. And there's a scene where Ryan, you know, because Ryan Gosling's whole thing is, oh, he's dreamy, he's charming to the ladies, and his presence is just like, oh, he's charming and cute, whatever. But when he ha- when he needs to act... He can act, you know, uh, the believer, half Nelson, you know, when, when it's time for him to act, you know, he can act. And there's a scene where he's kind of looking over his dad and he's sick and he's holding back tears. And that's just a really like touching scene. And it just show, it's just kind of like pure acting, you yeah. know, and, and, and I really appreciated that. Like, it, like if you look o- over the over, you know, the last five or six Malick films, it's hard to pluck away like a, a, a performance for most people. Not not me. Brad Pitt's great in Tree of Life. Javier Bardem is great in um, To the Wonder. And Brian Denny, he absolutely destroys it in Night of Cups. But for the most part... That's when possibly you, when his you, best performance since Rambo. Uh, for me, it's since Belly of an, Belly of an Architect is between uh, First Blood Rambo and, and this. Belly of an Architect was 87. But I he's still great in Rambo. Is that a good movie, Belly of an Architect? Belly of an Architect is amazing. Is, how, does it com- how does it compare to the movie Belly and the movie Ar- <laughs> Architect? Well, it's better than both. Okay. But it's a shit ton better than The Architect. And Belly and Belly of an Architect kind of have my equal respect in certain aspects. Okay. So. We're, and we've already agreed we're going to... Maybe we should, when M. Tume comes on, make him talk with us about Belly. Yes. No, M. Tume has a lot to say about Belly. Uh, so we maybe, have, you know, it, it'll, it'll be, that has to be after the Freddy Got Finger episode, but we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, still talk we'll, about Belly. We'll get to it. Yeah. We'll have, we have to. But I just think, too, th- this is one of those things where I, I get very, I, I don't know why I do this to myself. I read a lot of established reviews I don't. outside of my own on Terrence Malick films, and I just know I'm going to get upset, and then I just make myself upset because people look at it as, at like, 
you know, I, I, a couple of critics have just have described his recent movies as just blobs of whatever, and they yeah, don't pick apart you... separate, you know. And there's like, this is a movie where there's good performances, you know. So yeah, but what what's wrong with blobs? What's I, wrong? I agree. You know, people could have just been making the same old sandwich forever, but then someone decided to put mustard and mayonnaise on a sandwich. Yeah, there's lots of mustard and mayonnaise in in, in song to song, and I, and I do, and I and I feel like too, it's 2000. I, I say this, I repeat myself a lot in in my a lot of my writings about Terrence Malick on Pinland Empire, and in person, but still, at by 2017. Don't go into a Terrence Malick movie expecting like you know like you know what you're getting into, but as... on, on, on the surface. But then each movie, but there's different stuff. Like for example, there's new things in in Song to Song that he's never explored before. But think... style wise, you know what to expect, so don't you know? Yeah, I think this one was just a little more connective in its tissue. Yeah, and I enjoyed it, and mm-hmm. I think critics either missed the point or have shooed people away. When there's people that would really enjoy this, especially people who are heartbroken or people that like music or people that need to just that want to watch and listen and enjoy themselves for three months. Exactly. I mean, haven't three you? hours, two and a half, you know what I mean. I'm sure you know. I mean, haven't, haven't you um, like been in a headspace before where you're just like blah? Yeah. And, those and that's and this and, and I think Terrence Malick conveys that perfectly, just like blah. You when know? I, when I'm blah, I go to the art house. Yep. Because I want that just like rush of having to focus and think and notice and yeah. all these things. And I, I I alluded to this earlier. Terrence Malick did recently say that he's going to go back to more narrative driven filmmaking. And God but bless just, him. But keep in mind to say more narrative, even if we're talking the whole like. Oh wow! I the, do talk um, much less loud than you do. The the whole like Badlands Days of Heaven era, era. There's still a poetic nature to it all. There's still um, like dreamy voiceover narration. Like so, he's never been this full straightforward. You know, like true. I mean, Badlands is literally based on a true story, and Day, Days of Heaven is way more net narrative, but there's still just a lot of random stuff in those movies. There's still and a lot of... when they came out, know, they were considered, like, groundbreaking parts of the, yeah. the new American canon. Yep. And I never thought I was going to say new American canon in my fucking life. You sound like uh, a film comment writer. Speaking of what we read, I, I, I read film comment a lot, so... Yeah, I read... Um, I read... I read books. Apparently, it seems that I read The New Yorker. <laughs> I read uh, Jacobin Magazine. Um, yeah, actually, you know, if we can for a minute, you know, current events that annoyed me this week, that by this time you have listened a, a while ago, unless you're a time traveler. Yeah, current events is going to throw people off I know it's podcast, hilarious. That's hey, why I want to do it. Hey. The problem isn't United Airlines. It's an amoral capitalist mentality and society that allows corporations' rights analog to real people and to do terrible things for money. Yeah. See, the, the, the thing is, To quote Nas, what's it worth? You can't take it with you under this earth. Rich men died and tried, but none of it worked. The problem is, by the time people hear this, is going to be enough, like some like innocent black guy is going to get shot. Uh, for existing, or there's going to be another school shooting. And that's a problem. The problem is America. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe capitalist, violence driven society. (laughs) 
let's just stick to movies. Even though I agree with what with what you, what you're saying, I don't want to shoo your uh, your your comment away. I don't want to be rude. If you're, I, I movies are political, man. That's true. If you're looking for current events here, fuck you. Yeah. And and to quote Gangsta Nip, not gonna lie, I'm thinking of killing my niece. <laughs> Jesus. So speaking of current events and news cycles, you made me see a movie called Tabloid. Yes, a mo- and okay, so we have to just stop for a second. I know um, two fans of, of, of the show, my, my good friends John uh, Cribs and Chris Funderburg, this section of the podcast, they're going to be listening very closely, not only so much because they love Tabloid, but they love Errol Morris, the director of, of, of the film. And if, since the first episode, they, they were very invested and just intrigued by your comment of how you don't really like do- do- documentaries. So this, so this whole combination of things that I, I know that their their ears are now pressed against the screen. So tabloid, a movie that I think is one of the best films of the decade so far. It's I, up there with Post Nebris Lux, Uncle Boon Me, Holy Motors, Alps Drive, all that stuff. So yeah, I I was working on a list to talk to um, M Tume about, and mm-hmm. and I was like, but where's Inside Out? <laughs> <laughs> Film fans don't be like giving Disney enough. Uh, I, I I don't fully agree days. because I think even in the like from like your average moviegoer to your film comment writers to your film forum you know frequenters, movies like Wally, Incredibles, Toy Story three, all of those things are considered like they've been called films by some people. So I I, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I think uh, more and more. Disney films, Pixar films, even Up. A lot of those movies are taken very seriously. I mean, the first ten against, minutes you know, of Up, if you didn't cry, I don't want to be your friend. Or I have the same feeling with the final uh, <clears throat> act of Toy Story three, or not even just the final act, I just that seen last Toy scene. Toy Story three yet? I you heard it's heartbreaking. It is. Uh, kinda. kinda. I will. I will check it out. And not just one thing. There's a couple of heartbreaking things in it. A couple. So just be ready for that. It's not just one thing. There's a couple of things. So I've been I've been thinking about what about my statement about documentaries, mm-hmm. and it's just that like I like one out of four documentaries. Okay, that's like fine. I like that documentary of th- that was by. But that's like I I like I probably like one out of four. Fiction I like movies, one so. out of four acclaimed documentaries. Okay, still okay. Maybe even less, but like I did enjoy the documentary about um, the director who did the who, shit. This is where you leave her. That that director, the Alzheimer's movie. No, I don't know that one. You, it was like your movie of the year. The director who did the Alzheimer's movie. Oh, oh, away from her, Sarah Polly. Stories we tell. Yeah. Oh, I got. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Away from, Away from her, her is is if you ever want to get kicked in the heart and love every minute of it, that's a good movie. Okay, but I think all, honestly, I think uh, first of all, the, speaking of Sarah Polly, that movie and just her filmography so far, all of her movies are a slight variation of the same thing. I don't know, if, like, which is funny because she didn't even catch that. She was on Elvis Mitchell's show back in two thousand. 2013. Oh, they're all about cheating, sort of. Cheating, sort of, and just, yeah, and she was like, oh, I never really got that, and it's, and it's like, you have to understand, too, like, away from her, timeline-wise, when she made it, I think she hadn't discovered yet the whole thing about, about which, which is interesting, she hadn't discovered the whole thing about her mom yeah. yet. 
and then by her second film, Take This Waltz, which to me is an, is another kick in the heart too. Um, and just like stories we tell, I think all of her movies, different variations it's of, always of, of, of heart kick kicking. It's always chicken. See, I'm the kind of guy. It's like uh, you know. I didn't like that movie. I. See, I used to think I didn't like that movie. But I just think I, I really like that movie. I just hate the goings-on in it, which I think is the point. I, I really liked... The more I... The, the older I get, the more I like Take take This Waltz more. And I it's one of those things where subconsciously, because it's a serious relationship movie with Michelle Williams, I don't know if it's just me, but I automatically will compare it to Blue Valentine, where to me... Blue Valentine's we, a better movie. Blue Valentine... I don't know. But I, I enjoy them both. And my whole thing is to me, and we had this conversation on the subway, but to me, Blue Valentine, there's kind of like equal fault, whereas in Take This Waltz... It is all Michelle Williams. Like, I'm sorry. I don't like, think that's, Seth, that's not Seth, true, Seth, Seth Rogen, in my opinion, the husband in that movie did nothing. No one's perfect, but he's, he's a damn good husband, as far as so, I'm concerned. Uh, and she, of. and she, and then by the end, and what I do love is that she does get her, Michelle Williams and Take the Swallows, she gets her comeuppance by the end of the movie because she realizes, oh, shit, I made a mistake because the guy who she leaves her husband for, there's that scene towards the end where she says, I love you, and he doesn't say it back. And it's kind of like, you know, that's what you get. Yeah, I don't know that karma works exactly like that and I think um, I think Michelle Williams' character in Blue Valentine was was a rougher, less nice character. I don't think cheating makes you a bad person. She made a poor decision um, and But the, see, it wasn't like a one decision. They, it was a long she, thing that she knew was cause, coming. Because it, like, it starts from somewhere. It starts from one thing. You give yourself allowances that part didn't bother me. The reason why the movie wasn't like amazing to me was because of the music. Uh, just thought I thought the scoring was was the wrong choice. Oh, take was, this waltz. Yeah, I didn't <gasps> like it. I love the score. Oh man, see, I'm the exact opposite. Specifically, the scene after she has a fight with Seth Rogen and she goes out of her house, she goes for a walk to the pool, and he follows her, and they go for the swim together. Yeah, that that, that piece that, of music that is piece so of music great. Was I love not it. appropriate. Oh, <laughs> them swimming in the water. I thought yeah, it was just, perfect. It was, Oh Jesus! Whoops! That—that's uh, that, how excited let's I got. Give it a I, break for. <laughs> no, we're good. I hit yeah. the table. Yeah. Um, You're talking so much louder than me. Sorry. I'm. I'm on. Um. I'll, I'll bring it down some. Yeah. This is a criticism that James has. Like I start off low and then I get high. But uh, that 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 specific song, which is called "Swim," is on heavy rotation. I think I listen to that maybe every day. Yeah, <laughs> it just like... would have been more appropriate for like. Someone shooting up their grandma with death heroin or something. <laughs> that's just what it, that's what it was for me. I, but fair again, enough. this is not what this is about. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm saying that that movie wasn't my favorite movie. Sure. But there's nothing particularly wrong with it. Mm -hmm. I like her. I like her her trajectory as a filmmaker. Yeah. And I thought Stories We Tell was good. Love it. Because the story I... was good. But again, so tabloid. You made me watch tabloid. It troubled me. Mm -hmm. uh, that's it was, fine. It was filmed well. Mm-hmm. The music was great. This, the effects were great. And, you know, told the story of this woman who lied a lot. May have been, like, the creator of, like, Craigslist ad type shit. And <laughs> kidnapped a guy. and Kidnapped a Mormon guy who she was a in Mormon love with. Who she was in love with. It's not, like, necessarily clear if it was reciprocated. And she, you know, she... Uh, she was a cause celebre back in the day, and then later in life, uh, cloned her dog in China. Yeah. And I just felt that... Korea. Korea, mm -hmm. sorry. Um, 
I have memory problems. It's all good. I'm not racist, I don't think, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Korean and Chinese people are not alike at all. No. It was a really <laughs> sad movie. It made me really sad. I felt, um, I felt it was, it felt a little exploitative, but at the same time, after we talked, it could be that she is into um, any sort of attention she could get. Exactly. So it's like, I don't know, on some level, let let, let the cameras roll. Because it's like she put, and, and that's another thing too, like to say, because you're not the only, I think too, just sidebar real quick, these days, it's like, it's such an easy criticism. And I'm not just saying this about you, but it's just like, how any, dare, any documentary, how dare you criticize me? Any, it's so easy to be like any doc, uh, all doc, this documentary is exploitive. It's like I think in this woman's specific case, to put herself in the public multiple times, I, I just don't think that that defense works. When your whole thing is like, whether you're in love or not, you committed this crime, you kidnapped this dude. She did some weird stuff. She kidnapped the guy. Uh, has somewhat of a persecution complex. Yeah. And oh, I, absolutely. That's an, everything is n- nothing is this woman's fault. Like everything's kind of a conspiracy against her. And I think that uh, she was playing with a full deck of thirty-two cards. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, true. So here's my thing. And part of what we are talking about, though, is why I like it. And, and uh, you know, you can't not talk about this movie at length after you see it from you know from an exploitive perspective from uh you know just the fact that like this woman made headlines for two totally unrelated things decades apart you know what i mean like she was this woman she went to this other country she kidnapped this guy went to jail escaped became like she was kind of like the first woman to be you know a celebrity without having any talent or doing any art then decades later you know she clones her dog in, in korea and then she makes the news again I, I just find that whole thing very fascinating and also going back to just the 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 i don't know what the word is just the practical practical stuff errol morris is just a great filmmaker pra- put together well, the, the reason why i enjoyed it was because it was practically made well yeah and it did have like the one kind of documentary which is one of my favorite movies f for fake it had that like playing with you with different things that are going on. Mm-hmm. And um, speaking of like weird, you know, animal stuff, documentaries, do you ever see the documentary Zoo? Yes. Oh, yeah. Now talk about someone, so some art person. Was but that like, movie is totally from the school of Errol Morris. If you've seen his other films, not so much tabloid, but Errol he Morris. Didn't, he didn't make Zoo. No, no, but it's from the school of, in, in that it's it very influent, it influenced by more. Have you ever seen more other Errol Morris documentaries? Thin Blue Line or um, Vernon, Florida, which is what I was thinking. Vernon, Florida is, is a very animal-centric movie. but uh, So Zoo is a film about a NASA scientist who died from having relations relations with a horse. Yes. And it's done in the most beautiful way. Yeah, it's which is problematic, but it's true. Like the the, the little like reenactment scenes like the, of him caressing the horse, it's like, oh, this is beautiful. This but wait, gorgeous. this is messed up. Yeah, it's like, like, like a friend recommended me this movie and I went to see it and I'm like, dude, come on. Yeah. That's not what you're supposed to do with a horse. Yeah. 
That's not cool. But here's my question. Similar to Two Girls One Cup, have you seen the actual video? Um, are you asking me if I've seen the video of of him making relations with a horse, or if I've seen Two Girls One Cup? No, the the horse video. No the actual, yeah. I'm not interested in yeah. watching someone die. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. So. And because I would, I'm not. <laughs> yes, I have. I've seen it. That's what I'm not saying. interested in. I'm interested in the movie because the movie was good, mm-hmm. and because it was the music was good, the pacing, the camera stuff. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, if yeah, it's just I was thinking so that I can get tricked into liking a documentary. Mm-hmm. I like that documentary because it felt like a mystery. It's a but, mystery, but it's poetic. It's also not all documentaries are cinematic. Zoo is cinematic. Yeah, I like cinematic documentaries. Um, I'd love to see like a, a narrative film about the tabloid lady, like r- r- directed by Shane Black. Okay. You know. Okay. See so, something zany. Yeah, I was just gonna zany, but under the right person. Like, I, it, it's one of those things where, th- like, Mr. Nice, the nice guys. That was that was zany, but like. Oh, that movie was great. Yeah. I really like that movie. My thing is, I was gonna say, and I'm glad you said. We, we need to get like we need to get more everyone in this era of you know how there's all these great stories it's like I want to see a movie about that it's like directed and written by who though like I think you need yeah. to get specifics that, because the story of tablet and you know it's like you know it could end up in the hands of like Rob Reiner or Penny Marshall or something and then it would be this like nonsense but like under the, yeah like like a Shane Black or I'm sure there's other people who, who could do it but he you just got to get first specific I could yeah think of. fair enough and I just have I have a I have a hard on for Shane Black. He's great. Uh, pause, yeah. just in case. Nice Guys was really, really good. Uh, nice Guys, I liked. Um, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was yeah. a, a really great early aughts caper, and mm-hmm. Iron Man 3 is my, my favorite Marvel movie. It made up for the sequel. Definitely. And I say that too because the sequel, Iron Man 2, was becoming something. And then midway through, it was like, oh, I don't think I like this. But then by the end, it was like, oh, I didn't like this. Uh, yeah. So I was worried for part three, but then three made up for uh, made up for it. It's like you go to a pizza place and you're really excited because you like that pizza place. And then you buy two slices and they suck, but you still ate two pieces of pizza. And you're full. And you're full. And you're not satisfied. You're not and satisfied. your taste buds aren't satisfied, you're but you're met, full. You're upset. That's the worst feeling. <sighs> like, for example. like me with Jimmy, me and Snafu the other day. We got slices. Mm-hmm. It was just so sad. Where'd you get it from? I'm not. I'm not, I'm not a snitch. Oh, for, oh yeah, fair enough. But like, I give the first Iron Man a four point five out of five because I love that movie. But then I give the second Iron Man a two out of five, and then for me, I give Iron Man three a three point five out of five. Iron Man, which 3, is a well-rounded. Iron you know, Man three, I give, I give a, I give a seven out of five. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. At least, I mean, we both like it at varying levels, but hey, I... I, yeah. I don't like it. I love it. Okay. Even better. <laughs> did you sure. uh, check out the John Wilson movies I sent you? Yes. Yes. What did, what did you think? Where, where, where are we at? Okay. I'm just... Sorry, guys. I was just check, checking time. I don't want to uh, go over. What? Well, you didn't send... What do you mean send, send me? I, I uh, told you to check out John Wilson's movies. Oh, oh okay. You had me worried because I felt like you emailed me stuff. No, like you, like, no, like no. you emailed me the Frank Capra... Stuff. No, I recommend. Yeah, I yeah. Okay, I thought I missed that uh, because yeah. I'm not good with email, by the way. I've um, noticed. Yeah, <laughs> you and just a hectic time in life, and now it's even worse because started my new job and um, I have work email attached to my regular email, so it's like 
forget about it. Just text so, me direct for anyone listening to just text me or call me directly. So I'm just gonna put in the in the in the lag lines of my emails now. Architecture. <laughs> that might work. Yeah. I'll just give you the names of some of the clients that I work for at work and then just be and I'll be like, oh shit. And they're like, oh, it's from Scott. And I just get I'll get really confused actually. I'll be like, wait, what does he have to do with my job? Quick anyway, question. Oh, do you sorry. think do you think Bars von Trier would be a good rap name? Yes. Oh my god. Bars von Trier. I'm just saying. Not okay, you know what? Not 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 a full rap name, but just like an alias. You know how like Wu Tang got, you know, like Golden yeah. Arms, Noodles, you know, like Bars von Trier. Would Joey be really Badass, if you're listening, Bars von Trier. I know you like films. Bars von Trier. Does he? Yeah. Oh, what are you basing that off of? Uh, pro era, being involved in It Felt Like Love. Fair enough. Okay. And I'm just assuming people like movies. You'd appreciate this. Also, tell your fiance this, Eliza Hitman, the director of uh, It Felt Like Love. She followed me on Twitter last week. So that was really cool. Well, she's going to be excited when we... Talk about how much we love her movies in time travel world. Yeah. So did you like John Wilson's movies? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, um, yeah. Which give me names though, because uh, I don't want to just how to walk over the bridge, how yeah. to remain single, how to smoke cigarettes. How to smoke cigarettes? Yes. Okay. Um, yes, I like them all. I watched a couple of them a few times. Shout out to. Um, my thumb, my, uh, what, what is it called? What do I stream my movies on? Because I watch them on my computer. But anyway, yes. And I also like, too, that now it's like my time to have homework because I feel like there's too much of a, if we get this whole, like, your home, it seems like homework for you almost every episode, which just makes the dynamic not very fair. Like, I need homework, too. A lot of people assume I see a lot of movies. I was just having this conversation with someone how, like, Westerns, that's like a huge blind spot for me, which, you know. Rest in peace to my father. He's rolling over his grave right now because my dad was big on westerns and growing so up. So my pop. I never. I think yes, it's a generational thing too. Who yeah. never called them westerns? He called them cowboy movies. Yep. Um, I just couldn't do it. There's a few exceptions like Tomb, Tombstone, Unforgiven. There's like certain things you know that I like, but um, no, I like. I want. I want more movie recommendations like that though. Like, what okay. else would you um? Like, I'm no, I'm putting you on the spot right oh. now. Well, I, I mean, I did recommend you. That uh, let's get lost. I don't know if you've seen. Well, that let's movie. get lost. I thought we were gonna. I, no, I told you. I think I mentioned that in the car. No, you saw the, the Charles Mingus movie. I recommended you. Oh, then I didn't tell yeah. you. But yeah, I saw Let's Get Lost. Okay, so those were ones that I was recommending you. Mm-hmm. Um, have you Have you seen Wanda yet? No. Well, no. you know, so, gotta gotta watch no Wanda. Yeah. It's a, as, as as we'll your guy talking, said, it's app. a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's I, yeah, that's a that's a seven out of five film for me, for a lot of reasons. It gets me very emotional, and <clears throat> I don't work tomorrow, so yeah. So there you and, go. and I'll just have to think more about you know movies to recommend because I just don't know what you haven't seen. So you know what I mean, oh, so do you, now, so, do you so have, we're we're really gonna confuse the listeners now. So. This is episode seven, so episode nine is going to be about Wanda because episode eight we have to talk about Freddie got fingered. So. Right. Yeah. Oh, and do you have homework for me? Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, I, so off camera, or off record rather, I think the subject of bastards has has come up, and I think you know it's not so much bastards. You you sent me a text weeks ago about how you've been seeking out Claire Denise films because. At this point in life, Claire Denis and Marcus Penn are kind of uh, synonymous with one another. So, you, so you're trying to look at her entire filmography. Um, and what's cool is, too, 
um, you're at my, there, there's some other rare Claire, I have every Claire Denis film, even the rare ones, you're at my house now, so I can physically loan you DVDs. Uh, oh, that would be and, great. And, and, and stuff from my, uh, can my, you? Yes, from my, my bared down collection. The, if, if not Bastards too, there's another, not many people have seen this or can see it, but her, she made a made-for-TV film called U.S. Go Home. Yes, which I have I, it on my YouTube. Oh, you queue. do? But if you have a DVD, I'd... yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, I have an MP4, but I, I have an extra flash drive. I'll just give it to you. That movie is special because, in uh, certain close friends who know this, USA, kn- US Go Home, US Go Home, which is a precursor to Nanette and Bonnie, which was one of my favorite Claire Denis films, and it's a precursor because it stars the same people. It's a different movie, different story, but Alice Howery, who's a friend of mine, and Gregory Colon play brother and sister. And Vincent Gallo is in both films also, nice. playing a military person, too. So it's weird. But the movies take place in two different eras. Like, U.S. Go Home takes place in the 60s because it's a semi-autobiographical story about Claire Denis' own life. And U.S. Go Home is present day, but it's just interesting. But Claire Denis has a regular stock actors. But, um, yeah, since, since you're see, I think Bastards, because it's streaming on Netflix. Um, Word. And it's easy to see. It, it's her most recent film, although by the end of this year, she has her new film coming out with, with Juliette Binoche, which... I don't need to know anything else. Yeah, we just clear to need Juliet. We Binoche. talked about it last week. That's all I care about. So, so, ch- she, so check and 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 I think Bastards is interesting too because it's like it's her most. Um, no, it's not. I'm sorry. It's one of. She's got about eleven or twelve films. It's in her top three of like most kind of like violent and uncomfortable films. Like it, it's on trouble every day uh, status along with this other film she made called I Can't Sleep, which is about this guy who's a serial killer of old women. Which is strange because, for the most part, the majority of Claire Denis' films, there's always going to be, nothing's perfect, but the average person does think of beauty, I think, when it comes to Claire Denis' films, not murdering old women or biting vaginas like in Trouble Every Day or all the stuff that is in Bastards, which you'll see and and, and we'll get into. So, yeah. And you, so you like the John Wilson movies? Yes. Oh, damn. We totally, yeah. I like, because I wanted you to recommend more stuff to me. Yeah, I did. I liked them a lot, actually. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing to. No, because I'm, I'm put on the spot now, and I watched them days ago, and okay. I've just been mentally preparing for this. So oh, now man. it's like it's just did like I, did dead, I, did dead, I upset dead, you? Dead, dead. No, quite no. The opposite. I'm just oh, like okay. scrambling my mind. No, upset me. No, not 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 one bit. What's your favorite song with a tuba? My favorite song with a tuba. Um. Um, I was just murmuring. I, I don't know. I was gonna say something like corny and insulty, like I don't know, something from a Wes Anderson movie. But uh, I don't know. I don't have a, a favorite song with with a tuba. So I don't know. Yeah, I guess yeah. like the Taj Mahal song. Yeah. Boo, boo. I just thought that was a funny way to uh, to end. Yeah. With me scrambling for an answer. Yeah. And so we end with tubas. Yeah. So all right. So let's um. So let's confuse the listeners even more. I think um, so. You considered your homework, bastards. So the next will be bastards, then Freddie got fingered, then Wanda. Yeah, yeah. sure. And yeah. then and then at some point we'll start having guests. Yeah. Oh yeah. See, that's another thing too. I I do. I feel like. Look, there's a lot of movie podcasts. This is another movie podcast, although not not to be arrogant and put ourselves over, but it is from a more unique perspective than your average movie podcast. But it's like when I when I get there's like requests for people to be on the show, and I love that. And I also like that they're that they're patient 
And also, like, the whole thought is, like, no, let us do our own episodes first, and then we'll have guests on. So I just like that there's people waiting. to And, and, and these are all from, like, film critics, filmmakers, and just friends who don't write reviews, don't make movies, yeah. who just want to be on the show, which I'm really interested <coughs> in having. Because uh, a good friend of mine who you met um, once, my friend Rob Cotto, um, he is, like... Everyone has one of these friends or knows someone, but I stand by this. He is the Martin Scorsese fan. He is someone who can talk about Scorsese past just, you know, oh, Mafia movies. Because that's I, – I try not to talk about Martin Scorsese to a lot of people. Because going back to our very first episode, it's like, oh, what is there to say about Scorsese? Plenty. Because he's the kind of guy who, you know, he can – Rob can I, just I go on. Talk you know, about, yeah. I want to talk to him about – After Hours. I want to talk – yeah, I want to talk about After Hours. And I want to talk about the first scene from um, – New York stories. Yes. Yes. In fact, you should tell him that we're only we will only talk about those and maybe Cape Fear. He would. Oh my God, he would love that. And I, I like Cape Fear because that movie actually put me on to Henry Miller. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Who who's uh, who is a big influence for me for a while, but then I That's decided awesome. I wanted to to live a better life, so I started reading, you know, sure, James Baldwin and other better writers. Not better, yes. but different. Uh, Martin Scorsese also has has great underrated cameos in his own movies. And he has, he has really great eyebrows. He does. And if he wanted to, because he's a director first, he's not an actor, even though he's acted before, he could have been a hell of a character actor if, if he wanted to. Have you seen the movie Round Midnight? The jazz movie? No. With Dexter Gordon, who actually plays a... He doesn't play himself, but he plays a... But it, it, it's a very, like, Eurocentric jazz movie because it's, a, you know, Europeans kind of kept jazz alive. I know it's a generic statement, but it's about this European father who is in love um, with the music of this saxophonist played by De uh, Dexter Gordon. And Martin Scorsese has a hell of a scene as this kind of, like, record executive guy. Just like his scene in the back of the taxi and Taxi Driver, his scene in Mean Streets, where at the end he, he essentially, Martin Scorsese does a drive-by, he kisses the gun before he shoots Robert De Niro in the neck. Um, yeah, he, he would have been an interesting actor, I think. And, yes, yeah, spoiler alert, if you're listening to a movie podcast and you haven't seen Mean Streets, fuck you. And if you want to have, not really, I don't care. I don't actually mean that, Marcus. <laughs> What's up, the Chris? <laughs> Chris, the ouch, the you ouch. just said you just said fuck you to my good friend Chris Funderburg. He's never seen Mean Streets. No. Yeah, but that's okay. Like that's he's seen enough movies to make he's up. He's seen for enough it, movies. So, yeah. And I didn't, you know, it was much. He didn't worse say fuck you, Chris. When, when you either. said uh, like you made it worse. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. They get it. Yeah. They understand. Sure. <clears throat> you ever listen to? Oh, what's shit? Wall of Sound producer. Ronettes, Phil Spector. Oh, sure. When he talks about, he he in his mind thinks that his songs used in Mean Streets is the reason why Martin Scorsese's career uh, is a thing. You should watch that video if you ever find it on the internet. Oh, okay. If there's ever, you I don't know, know about that. You know, if there's ever a fan of himself, it's uh, it's that guy. Sure. Also, he also like murdered his girlfriend. So yeah. whatever. Also, shout out to. If you murder um, your girlfriend, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. If you murder and well, I'm not gonna. I take that back. I was gonna say if you murder anyone, you'd, but I, I disagree. Um, we'll, let's not get into that. There's also a great pre-Goodfellas Martin Scorsese's mom cameo in Mean Streets that, in my opinion, is on par with Goodfellas. The Goodfellas cameo scenes are better with Martin Scorsese's mother, but she's 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 got a great scene in Mean Streets as well. Where can people find you? Uh, pinlandempire.com at pinland underscore empire um, or or you know SoundCloud uh, backslash I think zebra just go to SoundCloud now and look for zebras in America and Scott uh, 
Yeah, what is your favorite verb used by Raekwon in Only Built for Cuban Licks? Favorite verb. See, you put me on the spot again. Uh, I don't know. It sounds like... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you can find me scottthorough.com, Scott <laughs> underscore Thorough on Twitter, at Scott Thorough on Instagram, um, 9178 site. Oh. I do like... Um, I, I don't know, but I just like when he says, don't try to play me like I have a flower pot on my head, even though that's Ghostface who says that. Stand on the block, be block, gun cock, avalanche rock, get paid off, mass murder his services, chef, break them, box the alley cats, bake them, pull nine, made them, drop grenades and take them, quick, fast, we reflect like the sky, be blue, true, Wu-Tang, Saga, continue, rap, Maya Lansky, crash your fantasy, get high, fella, stand by, here's the plan, C, sit back, collecting, texting, checksing, flowing slow, in the march, general, flexing, beats break heavenly, word the INS, bless me, throw me like three bad success, for real, from the Killer hell locked and caged in With small representatives be acting like great men Strive for wives, not lies and lies Max Ellen enjoy the highs What? Church of reservations are ice The rich new men possess the power to hold G's, guns, and grams Make a fake up, pull up a keystone paper Point out the bad bitch in the crowd Proceed with caution as you enter the symphony Degrees of punishment increase intensely Syndrome was caused by the deadly drums But the battle was won by swords being swung Slicing with a vocal from the international vocalist Your style is too local to fuck with this Offensive antagonist, no assistance Moving motionless, mysterious swiftness Thoughts roll down the shaft of the brain Mental gives the signal to the physical Whirlwind kicks and hits from every angle Violent temperaments, the continents dented Poison vintage, wine rhymes I invented Drunk by the drunken punches that punches the heart Vital sparks from the artery stalk 